Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. His blood was a once and for all payment for sin. Not many lambs, but one lamb. Now I'll point that out to you. Listen to me closely. In the Old Testament, as they brought the lambs, Lord help me, I'm going to run out of time. As they brought the lambs in the Old Testament, those lambs could not take away their sin. The blood of the lamb in the Old Testament simply covered their sin. It's almost as if this cup were my sin, our sin. This is our sin. And when the Old Testament saints, people of faith, people of Israel, bought the sacrificial lamb to be shed for their sin, that blood from that lamb would cover their sin. But the sin was still there. But as the father would look down because they came in faith by bringing that blood, the father would look down and have mercy on the people because their sins were covered by the blood. It's in Hebrews that says the blood of bulls and goats could never take away their sin. Couldn't happen. Wasn't supposed to happen. But the Bible says that when the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, shed his blood once and for all, here is our sin and here is his blood. Jesus' blood, when you receive him as your Lord and Savior, his blood will come and cover your sin. Not only will it cover your sin, but the blood of Jesus Christ will take away your sin. And now when the Father looks down and he sees you, he doesn't see your sin at all. Why? Because it's been taken away by the blood of the sacrificial lamb of God. If you understand, say amen. Amen. Then this is huge for you to understand that God is not looking at our sin because to him, what sin? God, I'm such a sinner. Oh yeah, I'm such a sinner. I got so much sin, God. I'm trying to serve you, God. I'm most sin I got. God says, what sin? Oh, my sin, God. You know, we try to talk God into looking at our sin. We're like, God, find some sin. Please, find it. And I'm like, no, I don't talk him into it. No, no my sin's covered, gone. It, now, now the blood of Jesus Christ washes me white as snow. Though your sins be as red as crimson, Isaiah said, I shall wash you whiter than snow. Now he doesn't see my sin anymore. I've been cleansed. Been cleansed? Absolutely. And I love the song. What can wash away my sins? Come on, help me, people. What can wash away my sins? Nothing. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. 
No other fountain I know. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I can wake up early and get happy about that. Thank you, Jesus. Now, point number one in our outline. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to move quick. I told you to get a pet. Notice in verse 17, because that was huge for you to understand, okay? Notice in verse 17, it was on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples asked Jesus, note this, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now it's Thursday morning, in just a few hours Jesus is going to suffer and go to the cross. It's Thursday morning. The disciples had a bunch of stuff to do. Not only did they have to take the lamb to be sacrificed by the priest to the priest, they needed to buy the unleavened bread, they needed to buy the wine, they needed to buy the bitter herbs for the celebration of the feast. And so you want to notice that it, they, they didn't ask, Lord, what do you want us to do? They said, Lord, because they knew what to do. They said, Lord, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover meal? He said to his disciples, according to our text. Now, in Luke chapter 22, we know that those disciples were John and Peter. So Jesus says to Peter and John, go to Jerusalem and they will see, notice, a certain man. Mark chapter 15, you got to put the gospel accounts together to get the whole story. Mark chapter 14, pardon me, tells us that they will see a certain man carrying a pitcher of water. Now, you might think, what's the big deal about a man carrying a pitcher of water? Well, because we don't get that. We don't understand that. So what? A man's carrying a pitcher of water. I mean, people carry water all around all the time now. I was in the gym the other day. And this guy came in with the biggest pitcher of water I ever saw in my life. I mean, it was like huge. He needed like help getting it in. It was huge. And I'm looking at that guy carrying a big pitcher of water. I said... You must be the certain man in the Bible. <laughs> there he is. Sermon in the gym. There you go. See, carrying a pitcher of water in our culture, no big deal. But in that culture, a huge deal. Why? Because carrying pitchers of water was a job that was reserved for women only. It was a job for the woman. All right, ladies, don't shoot me yet, all right? But in that culture, if a husband said... You know, I'm thirsty. Woman, go get me some water. <laughs> Woman, go get me some water. Now, 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 in those days, let me tell you. Now, in these days, if that happens, you know, a husband said, woman, go get me some water. What I look like. now when we ask you to do anything. Let me tell you something, Elvira's out of town in California. So I'm going to say what I got to say. Alright, I'm going to say what I got to say. You know, if she, if she tell y'all, if y'all tell her I said that, I'm going to go, nah, I ain't say that. Give me all them people lying on you, Rodney. Mm-hmm. But you know, that, see, see, nowadays it doesn't work. But in those days, it was a job for a woman to be carrying. It'd be almost like today. It'd be as odd today as say, 
You know, if the Lord said, you know, go into Raleigh and you'll see a man carrying a purse, pushing a baby carriage and wearing lipstick and a bikini. <laughs> maybe that's not so odd. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, it's kind of odd. See, it was a woman's job back then. So men, you know, women didn't, you know, that's why Jesus is the great liberator. Ladies, you need to say amen. You know, Jesus is a great liberator. See, he put everybody equal. Everyone's equal now. There's neither Jew nor Greek, you know, male nor female, but we're all one in Christ. See, he's the great liberator. Oh, Jesus and Paul, they're chauvinistic pigs. Somebody told me that one time. They're just chauvinists. No, they're not. Jesus set us free. Jesus set you free. You just don't understand. So, you know, in those cultures, it was a very difficult, uh, different, unusual thing. Now, notice they, Jesus says, well, you go into the city and you're going to find a, a, a certain man. I just got to point this out real quick. This certain man is not named. He's kind of the unnamed servant. This is a guy you don't even know. This is a guy they didn't know his name. This is a guy his name is not recorded in the scriptures, but yet he was a guy that was mightily used of God because he opened up his home for Jesus and the disciples to come into his home to celebrate the Passover. And nobody knew his name. And you know, there are a lot of unnamed servants in this church and nobody knows their name. I want to take the time to thank you. You know, the kitchen, there's a sister, and you know who you are, and, and you know who you are. And uh, I was going to say she's here now, but I don't want y'all looking around. Is it you? Is it you? But there's a sister who comes here every single Friday, and she cleans that kitchen in this church. And y'all know how the kitchen is now. Nobody don't want to clean the kitchen. We don't, Elvira's out of town. My kitchen ain't been clean since she left. <laughs> y'all want to come over? Come on. You smell and uh, no, I'm just kidding. And uh, but but this lady, she comes and she cleans the kitchen every single Friday, and nobody knows her name. But when you show up on Sunday, the kitchen is clean, the counters are wiped, the dishes are in dishwasher, zinc is clean. By the end of Sunday, the kitchen is toe up again, and she comes in again. And and I want to thank her, and many many people, and say Lord's blessings to you. We don't know. Nobody knows your name, and people are not going to come and thank you and pat you on the back. But that's better. That's better for you, actually, because your rewards will be great in heaven. When you get to heaven, you're going to be saying, you know what? I thank Lord. You're going to be in heaven, so talking to the Lord. You're going to be like, in, in Lord, I thank you that Pastor Rodney never thanked me. <laughs> hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Lord, I thank you that he never thanked me because in his never thanking me and not giving me my props, my reward is great in heaven. For people who always thank you and they go, oh, you're such a wonderful job. Oh, Steve, Michelle, all oh, the worship is, oh, my God. You know, oh, when I leave, oh, oh, thank God for you. Or Pastor Ronnie, you know, that sermon was awesome. It just changed my life. Good job. Do you know the rewards for people who are always seen are, are not going to be as great as for the people who like clean the toilets. No, I've never heard anybody come up and go, oh, 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 the bathrooms, the toilets are spick and span. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Oh, I'm, oh, thank you, Jesus. Who cleaned those toilets? I've never seen that. 
But the person who cleaned the toilets, they'll get in heaven and God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here's a big old crown for you. So heavy your head can't take it. Can't hold it. The unnamed servant. And so the disciples, they secured the house and they made ready for the Passover and everything is set. And in the evening, Jesus sat down at this table called the triclinium, which is actually a three-sided table. And they would just kind of lean back on pillows on the floor. And the host would sit in the middle of this table. And the host would be the one to designate who sits where. And so John chapter 13 tells us, and we know, that it was John who was sitting on the right side because he leaned on Jesus' breast. And we know from the text that Judas was sitting on his left. So what we have here is that this three-sided table known as a triclinium, we have Judas and John sitting in the place of honor. And while they're eating, Jesus drops a bomb. He ruins the whole atmosphere. Jesus says, most assuredly, I say one of you is going to betray me. And they said, did you know this? They said, is it me, Lord? Jesus, am I the one? Did you notice that? They didn't look at Judas. I find it interesting. They didn't even know Judas wasn't with them. They didn't know Judas was a betrayer. Judas wasn't wearing a black cape and black glasses. And as soon as Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, all eyes, you know, shh, Judas, it's you. They didn't know. So they said, Lord, is it me? I wonder if I said to you this morning, hey, in this room, one of you this week is going to backslide and turn from the Lord. I wonder if you guys will start looking down the aisles, down the roads, looking down there. Mm-hmm. I thought she looked kind of shady. Mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling him when he walked in. It's him. They didn't do that. They said, Lord, is it me? You see, that's the healthy thing. They had a healthy understanding and distrust for their flesh. I'll tell you something. I don't care how spiritual you get and how strong you are and how long you've been walking with God. Don't ever, ever, ever trust your flesh. Don't ever say never. You know, I will never do that. Oh, I'll never betray the Lord. I will never turn back from the Lord. Don't ever say that. You know what? You say, Lord, by your grace, I won't do it. God, I want to stay close to you, but I would never say that I can't because I need to be, have a healthy distrust of this flesh. The Bible says put no confidence in the flesh. That's what they did. And they said, Lord, is it me? And I find it interesting. You know, the betrayer and the betrayed sitting at the same table. Interesting. And so they asked, is it I? Jesus said, verse 23, look at it in your Bible. The one who dips his hand in the dish will betray me. And so what we have is Judas dipping his bread into the dish at the same moment Jesus is dipping his bread into the dish. And Jesus says, you, you get that scene that they're dipping at the same time. And Jesus says, the one who dips with me. And I wonder if Judas went like a, a knife went through his heart. And he was just like, oh, man, I think he knows. But then notice what he says in verse 25. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it me? You know, Judas should get an Academy Award for this performance. And the award goes to Judas Iscariot. That was my crowd voice. 
You know, it says rabbi. You know, it's almost like the text here indicates that he's kind of like, rabbi, oh, Jesus, is it me? Is it I? Could it be me? You see, that's the context there. You see, Judas was in the group, but he wasn't of the group. And it's interesting that Judas was one of the 12 disciples. Judas was one of the 70 sent out with power and authority to do the ministry. He saw the mighty works and he heard the teaching. And Peter, he saw Peter walk on water and he saw Jesus hush the storm to sleep. Judas saw and experienced all that the other disciples saw and experienced. And yet he was a betrayer. And Jesus knew it all along. And yet he didn't reveal him. Why? Because Jesus was showing love to him and patience with him all along. And yet Judas was a betrayer. And then in John 13, look this up in your own time. It tells us that Judas, when Jesus handed him the bread with the sop. The Bible tells us, John 13, look this up. It says that a demon entered Judas. Which then tells us that the, the crucifixion of Jesus, the betrayal of Jesus by Judas was demonically induced. Interesting. And then look at verse 24. As Jesus said, it would have been better for Judas never to have been born. Now what does that mean? I think it simply means this. It's better to have never been born or existed at all than to be born to live your life and never turn to Christ and then die and suffer eternally. That's what that means. It would have been better for you never to have been born. See, the Bible is very clear. Everyone who does not trust and turn to Christ will spend eternity apart from him. Everyone. And I hate this question. What about the people on islands that never heard? Don't you hate that question? Well, what about the pygmies in Africa? They never heard the gospel. What is God going to do to them? I'm like, you know, look, I tell you what, let's just deal with you. Can we just deal with you? Okay, in this room, can we just deal with y'all? Okay, let me, let me ask you a question. Forget about the people on the island. What about you? Do you know the Lord? You're hearing the gospel. You, you, you have an opportunity to repent. What about you? I tell you what, why don't you give your life to Christ since you're so worried about the people on the islands? Then you give your life to Christ and then you become a missionary and go preach to them. Say amen, saints. <laughs> why don't you do that? Well, what about you? Every man has an opportunity to accept the Lord today, the Bible says. Well, then finally, our last point, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper in verses 26 through 30. Look at verse 26. If you're with me, say amen. amen. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Note this. He blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them. And he said, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say in verse 29 to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when he had finished saying that, did you notice what they did? They sang a song and they went out to the Mount of Olives. You know, it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon who said, the Jewish Passover, I love this statement, the Jewish Passover was made to melt into the Lord's Supper as the stars of the morning dissolve into the light of the sun. I like that. Now keep in mind, in just a few short hours, Jesus is going to be beaten beyond all recognition. 
They're gonna punch his face, pull out his beard, spit on him, beat him with the cat of nine tails, nail him to the cross in just a few short hours. And as they're eating the feast, while they are still, the feast is still underway, did you notice Jesus stopped to give thanks? Give thanks for what? He's about to suffer. Give thanks for what? Because Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, For the joy that was set before him, notice he endured the cross, despising the shame. For the joy that was, what joy? The joy of knowing that just in a few short, a few short days, in a few short years actually, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is going to preach this awesome sermon. And 3,000 people, the biggest altar call ever, is going to give their lives to Christ. And then 2,000 more are going to give their lives to Christ. The church is going to be born for the joy of seeing people saved. And then for the joy of seeing us gather in this business park of a church, no steeple, Lots of people. Hey, y'all got a church in a business park? What kind of church is that? The church is the people of God, not the building. But see, Jesus knew that the people of God, many, many thousands of years later, would gather together and they would be born again. And that brought him joy. Do you understand? It brings him joy to know that you are saved. So for that joy of knowing that you are going to be saved, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And then he took this bread as he's at the Passover meal, instituting the Lord's Supper. And he blessed it and he gave it to them. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. Now listen closely. The Catholic Church teaches, I was Catholic for many years. The Catholic Church teaches that the communion element become the body, the flesh of the Lord, and the, the wine becomes his blood. They call that transubstantiation, meaning that the body, the bread becomes his flesh, and the, and the cup becomes his blood when you partake of communion. And then there's this idea, this teaching called consubstantiation, which means the body and the blood are somehow present within the substance of the bread and the wine. Consubstantiation is the position that Martin Luther took, by the way, where somehow the body and the blood kind of, the, the cup and the, the, the bread become the blood or become his flesh. And so they call that consubstantiation. Listen, Jesus is not talking about cannibalism here. When he says, you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's not talking about cannibalism. He's simply saying that the elements have a symbolic meaning. And by faith, as you eat the bread, you realize that it's Christ in you. And by faith, as you drink the cup, you realize that Jesus cleansed you from your sin by his blood. So you take the bread and you eat it and you take the cup and you drink it. And when you do that, symbolically, then God is imparting life to you. That's why communion is so important. We have communion here once a month on Wednesday evening. Paul said, for as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. You can have communion every day of the week if you like. You can have it any time you want. You can have it every day, four times a day. Jesus just said, as often as you do it, remember me. Remember what? That my body was broken for you and that my blood was shed for you. And because of that, you can be saved and born again. That's simply what communion means. Talking about the impartation of life. And so it's at this point, a very important text, that Jesus changed the Passover to communion. 
He actually changed everything from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And then I love this. He starts singing a song. Jesus starts leading worship. And that would be a worship service I'd want to be in. Jesus is leading worship. Steve, I love you. But I would like to have Jesus lead worship. Amen. <laughs> we love y'all. You know we love Jesus. And he's singing a song known as the Hallel Song. H-A-L-L-E-L. It's Psalm 116 through Psalm 118. Jesus begins to sing and he begins to worship. And don't you find that interesting? He's about to face rejection, suffering, and death. And yet, he's worshiping. We should. What are you going through? What's going on in your life? You know, if you just set your face to worship the Lord, through your suffering, through your pain, through the sickness, through the sadness, the joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is your strength. Amen, saints. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.